Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. Our Sunday live stream starts at 10 a.m. at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. Thanks for tuning in. there be light and there was light and it was good <laughs> well yeah the, man the, good to see those of you that are here today i missed you all last week uh so donna and i have uh two couple friends one young couple that was in our youth group about a thousand years ago that have recently planted a new vineyard church in Orange, California. And then some other friends of ours that were actually part of our youth team are planting a church in Yorba Linda. So I was with them last weekend and it was really fun to see a lot of old friends. But as always, I miss you guys when I'm not here. It's no place like home, right? Uh, and I was going, I, I, would, I had started a series on vineyard values before I left, but we're going to pick that series back up again after the first of the year. We've got some other things I want to do, but what I want to do today is I listened to Cindy's message from last week, which by the way, Cindy, thank you so much for filling in for me. Uh, And she talked about just standing. And it was so interesting to me because uh, that's been on my mind a lot lately. I've been thinking a lot about that, and and uh, God's been impressing upon me some similar ideas. So I actually want to follow up on what Cindy shared last week. Um, and what I want to talk about today is finishing well, uh, staying in the game, standing until the end, not burning out or fading away or falling away uh, or becoming one more embittered Christian uh, I don't know how many people over the years I have talked to that say something to me like, hey, I still love Jesus, but I just don't like the church so much. And, they, and they're not connected to the body of Christ. And my understanding of that, uh, having been part of the church now for 50 years, roughly, is that it's a package deal. They go together and you don't have that option. And so uh, I, I want to just touch on that a little bit today. I'm finishing well, but let's, let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. So Father, I thank you so much for your presence with us this morning, uh, the opportunity to be here with, with those of us that are here today. Uh, bless our friends and family that aren't here, uh, especially those that might be homesick today. Just be with them, bring your rest, your peace, and your healing presence we thank you so much that uh, we're two or more gathered. You are there. And we sense your presence in worship this morning. We thank you so much, Lord, for uh, just always being for us and with us. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to do a little bit of time travel today. Talking about finishing well, I'm going to go back and refer to some folks in my life and, and, and Donna and I's lives that have been around for a long time. Um, to kind of illustrate that point, 
And I want to begin uh, in the mid-80s in, um, I think it was probably 84, maybe. Uh, we used to do a regional southern camp, a summer camp in Southern California. They were, it started off in the 80s with three churches, and then it grew towards 1990 with many more than that. But it was there that I first became aware uh, and, and I always say God gave me this verse, and I, I'm, I'm never sure, I don't remember how God gave it to me. Did, it, did I read it, or did, did I hear it, or did somebody else read it, or did it just appear in a light? I don't remember that, but I do remember that, that that week at that camp was where I first became aware of this verse in Psalm 71. 7118, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation and your mighty acts to all those who are yet to come. So here we are. Uh, Now I'm old and gray. Uh, And I've realized along the way that that's really what it's all about. Um, It's not about making a big name for yourself or, uh, you, you know, accomplishing great things, taking uh, the city by storm. What it's really about for me uh, is staying in the game, staying in the game. Um, while I was in California last weekend, I, I had uh, dinner with some friends of ours, Bob and Penny Fulton. Bob uh, officiated our wedding uh, almost 40 years ago, huh? just short of 40 years ago. And um, the, the, it was, uh, we had dinner on Saturday night, I think it was. And that morning, on Saturday morning, there was a coffee shop there in town. And uh, my friend told me that Bob was there. He spends time there most Saturday mornings. You'll see him there meeting with a, a young guy in the church and just kind of discipling and mentoring them. And it really struck me when... Uh, when my friend told me that, because back in, uh, before that summer camp in the 80s, back in like 1978, 79, I was that young guy that used to meet with Bob in the coffee shop week after week. And Bob would, uh, Bob would talk to me about, about life and about God and about how to not be an idiot, you know, and for the most part, I listened but now here we are, it's 40 years later, over 40 years later, and he's still doing that. Uh, and I thought, wow, that's, that's a model for life for me. His wife, Penny, uh, you guys don't know her, Donna does, but she tends to kind of be a little nervous at times and sort of f- flighty. But I, I remember in those early days, anytime anybody was feeling a little out of sorts or sort of you know, uh, homesick or displaced or whatever, Penny would always be there and put her arm around you. And she was kind of like, it was like a chicken running around all the time. But then she was like a mother hen who would just bring the little chicks under her wing and, and hold them close. And, uh, and she's still in the game. She's still doing that. You know, um, we were at the Vineyard National Conference a couple weeks ago in Phoenix and Bob and Penny were there. And, and it was, it was really special. They, it was, they were kind of like rock stars. It was like Mick and Keith showed up or something, you know, people were going, oh, that's Bob and Penny Fulton. That's Bob and Penny Fulton. Can we get a selfie with you? You know, and, uh, it was just fun to see them being honored in such a way, uh, with the understanding that really what they've done is stay in the game. 
That's been, that's been their contribution is staying in the game. They have faithfully poured their lives into other people's lives for over 40 years. Um, you, you know, and I thought about that. They're in their 80s now and they have a lot of energy. Uh, but when you're that age, you have every excuse to say, you know what? I, we had a good run. I'm done. I'm going to just stay home now and just kind of take it easy. But they don't do that. They're out pastoring and discipling and mentoring people and meeting with people and, and continuing to pour their lives out. During that, that same era early on in our lives, as, as we were being kind of formed in our faith, uh, I was a gardener then. Some of you may know that. Uh, you've heard the stories but I was at uh, John and Carol Wimber's house one day, uh, and uh, on that particular day, you know, every a couple times a year, you change out the flowers, plant new annual flowers, different different uh, rotation. And I was, they had some window boxes in front of their house, and I was planting pansies in there. I remember it's pansies because uh, Carol Wimber came out and and she said, "Oh, those are pretty." And I said, "Well, they're my favorite." And that's how come I remember their pansies because they're my favorite. And then she said to me. <laughs> whether you plant a flower or heal the sick, it's all life. And it was one of the most validating things that anybody ever said to me. You know, I realized in that moment that my life was of value and I didn't have to apologize to anybody for being a gardener and, and that I was sowing life. And I also realized in, a, in another way that, um, we have the opportunity to sow life and speak life and give life all the time uh, in the name of Jesus every day. We have the opportunity every day to give life to somebody. Um, and that's important. And, and the reason that is important is because life is hard. Um, can we just acknowledge that life is hard? And, and uh, I'll, so I've talked about Bob and Penny and Carol. Now I'll, I'll talk about John. I remember being 18 or 19 and kind of whining one day. I told John, I, you know, how, he said, how are you? Which it's a loaded question. Oh, John, life's so hard. I got bills to pay. And, you know, my back hurts from mowing these lawns all the time. And nobody likes me. You know, I was just kind of whining. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, life's hard. I'm like, really? That's it? That's the wise pastoral counsel I get today is you agree with me that life's hard. And I was just thinking, really? That's what you're going to say to me? And then he said, you don't really get to choose that. But the choice you get is, do you want to go through it with Jesus or without him? Oh, that was wise counsel. And I realized that uh, life's hard. But I knew at that moment that I wanted to go through it with Jesus. I, I, I was thinking about that uh, the last couple weeks. And I thought that might be the best evangelistic tactic that there is. You know, you see these, these crusades or whatever, and they say, if, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? And I think, well, does that really relate to people? But I think this relates to people. You say, hey, life is hard. Do you want to go through it with Jesus or without him? I think, oh, given that choice, I don't know anybody that would say, I'll go alone. Um, 
You know, we finished a few weeks ago, uh, the full armor of God, our year long series in Ephesians. And uh, I, 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 you know, all the pieces of the armor, but I keep going back to those introductory verses at the beginning of that section in the middle of Ephesians 6 about the full armor of God. Um, Paul says, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Then he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. So in uh, three and a half verses, he tells us to stand four times, so that you can stand, stand your ground, after everything, stand, and stand firm. I think there's a, a message in that. Uh, you, uh, here's, when you think of spiritual warfare, I want to tell you how you defeat the enemy. This is, how, this is how you win. Stay in the game. Just stay in the game. The devil has a lot of tricks up his sleeve, and he will try to take you out. Uh, he'll make you apathetic, make you angry, surround you with people that you have a hard time dealing with, all kinds of things. Uh, but his main goal is to take you out of the game. And, you know, again, I think sometimes you hear people say, well, the devil wants to kill you. And I'd say, no, he doesn't. Because if the devil kills you, you're a martyr. And uh, what happens with martyrs is more people rise up in the name of Jesus. But this is what he really wants to do is he wants to take you out of the game. Because if he takes you out of the game, then you become one more voice in the chorus of people saying, oh, this doesn't work. So how do we do that? How do we stay in the game uh, till the end? How do we finish well? Uh, there are probably a lot of ways, but I, I, there are four things that I thought of I wanted to share with us real quick. Uh, so you can, here, here's my, this, this is Glenn's pretty good ideas, okay? These are just my, my pretty good ideas. Uh, first of all is stay connected. Stay connected. Look, um, I get it, right? Um, church is hard. Church is made up of people, uh, and People say the church is a bunch of hypocrites. I go, yeah, you know, that's probably true. Uh, but here's the thing. It's all we got. This is what we got. So stay connected. Stay together. Um, you, you know, if you look at Jesus, he, he's the pattern for life, right? So Jesus would, every now and then, he would go off alone and pray, which is a really good idea. Everybody should do that. Take some time alone, get alone with God and go off and pray. But all the rest of the time, he had people around him. And here's the thing. The people around him were kind of like the church today. They weren't exactly perfect either. Um, a few years ago, I, I had a gal uh, here uh, get really upset with me. Uh, I made this statement. <laughs> I said, you know, the disciples were kind of a bunch of knuckleheads. And she got really mad at me. And I was like, have you read this? Uh, they kind of were. Uh, for one thing, they were always looking for a fight. You ever notice that? You know, d the Samaritans disagree with Jesus and they say, well, let's call on fire and smoke them, Jesus. Let's just burn them out. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is like, no, 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 let's not do that. You know, and then uh, even when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, Peter pulls out the sword, 
chops a guy's ear off. And Jesus, no, no, Peter, that, that's not the way we do this. Let's, 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 let's uh, hold on a minute. You know, it really, they, they really were. They were a little out of control. It took Jesus getting crucified for them to finally get it. That's when their lives really changed. I, I think about that a lot. They walked with Jesus for three years, but only when he was crucified and resurrected did they really fully understand. And that's when their lives were transformed. So, so there's no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. We have got to stay connected to one another. No matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult people are, stay together. Um, I think the church is imperfect because if it was perfect, we'd all stagnate. How would we grow without one another to, to help each other along the way? Uh, Phil Strout used to say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And uh, when, you, when you think about it, that's a great saying, but when you kind of flesh it out a little bit, if you want to go far, go together, which means you're not going fast. So the reality is you have to slow down. You have to slow down and wait for people. And sometimes it's, it's, I, I, I picture the church as kind of like a family. I remember when our kids were little and you go to the zoo or something and one of them loses a shoe. Where's the shoe? We got to go find it. And you slow down to go find the shoe. And then you go, well, so-and-so's, you know, they took the wrong turn and they're over here. Now we got to go find them and get them back. And that's sort of the way the church is. You kind of got to do that. So you have to go slow and stay together uh, in order to, to really uh, move forward at all. But stay connected. That's the first thing that I think is so, so important uh, to, to finishing well is stay connected. You know, and I'm going to go on a limb here. Don't give in to the temptation to isolate and separate yourself, to stay home. Um, some of you are home today. You're watching me on, on Stephen's iPhone this morning. And uh, here's the thing. The last couple of years have been a challenge. COVID has been a challenge. And, and there's, it's been a mixed bag. There's good and bad. Streaming is wonderful. And I think sometimes you can't get out. You can't make it. Either you're homesick or whatever. So it's an opportunity to be connected. But I'm going to say a virtual church isn't really a church. That we really need to be connected. We need real live people around us. We need to have opportunities to pray for one another. To worship together. You know... <clears throat> Even worship, I was thinking about it this morning as we were worshiping, and the number of verses in Psalms that talks about praising God in the assembly, praising God in the sanctuary, you know, praising God in the congregation of the people. And there's something about being together, and I'm not saying that worship alone isn't worship and that you can't worship alone. I'm just saying there's a different dynamic to being together corporately in worshiping Jesus than there is to being alone. So I really, really want to encourage you guys uh, that the church is people and we have to stay together and be with people. You know, people are messy, they're loud, they're obnoxious, and they're beautiful and wonderful all at the same time. So stay together. S second thing is deal with your stuff quick. Um, don't let hurt, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, disappointment fester, because if you do, those things will become toxic and and really, it's, it's when you do that, the enemy really does win because that stuff will eat you alive. So my encouragement is get prayer, talk to somebody, go to therapy, whatever it takes to deal with your stuff. Don't just ignore it. Nobody is above having stuff in their life. 
We, we all need to grow in Jesus. I remember in the 70s, uh, th- there was a, th- this book came out. It really launched the whole self-help movement. You know, for years, there was all these self-help books. So the first one, the big self-help book of the 70s was, I'm okay, you're okay. And I think back on that now and I go, that's wrong. <laughs> this is the title of the book I want to write. I'm not okay, and you're not okay, and that's okay. Uh, we all need to grow together. So let's acknowledge that, admit that, and allow God to begin to heal us from the inside out. It, it really is, that's the process. Um, so let go of whatever it is that causes you to the facades, the, the walls that we build, let go of all that and let's grow together. Uh, here's the alternative. There's only one alternative. And, and that is that at the end of your life, you become a grumpy, bitter old person. And that was one of the first lessons I ever learned. And I'll tell you how I learned that lesson. When I was in high school, I was attending the youth group at Placentia Presbyterian Church, Placentia, California. And every year our youth group would go and visit a nursing home. I don't call You don't call that a nursing home anymore. I call it something else now. But back then it was a nursing home. Assisted living centers. But that's politically correct. But back then it was a nursing home and we would go and just visit these elderly folks and talk with them and, and, and meet with them and just befriend them, just hang out, be friends. And, and I'll never forget going in one room and there's a gal in there and she's in her rocking chair and she's got her knit afghan over her lap. And we come in and, uh, you know, and she goes, oh, honey, honey, come here. Let me see you come, you know, and, and she would, she was so sweet. She would, we touch your face, you know, and she wanted to touch her face, hold our hands. And she was just so sweet and so loving. I just like, oh, she's just the sweetest lady. I just love this little gal. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming today. You know, like we just came and hang out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and then we leave and then we go in this other room and there's another little lady in that room and she goes, get out, get out of here. Get out of here. And she's yelling at us and cussing and saying bad words. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and, I, and I realized what happens at that age of life is that the things that we allow to form in our hearts and in our spirits and our souls become who we really are. You, you lose all your filters when you get to be that age. And, you, and there's no middle ground anymore. You're, you're either this person or that person. So at, at 15 years old, I thought, you know what? I want to be that one, not that one. I want to be the sweet old guy that's saying, hey, how are you today? Come here. Let me see your face. I don't know if I'll touch their faces, but I want to be that guy. And, and the saddest thing about that is that when you become that other person, you shut your, you, 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 you gradually push people out of your life. And at the end, you're alone. And there's nothing more tragic than that. There's nothing more tragic than, than ending out your life by yourself, separated from people. So deal with stuff quick. Third thing, learn to grieve loss and let go. Another thing I learned as a young person is that, uh, you know, 
Church is hard. Let's we say that too. Life is hard. Church is hard. And people come and people go, right? And, and something that my pastor told me when I was real young, he says, we're in the people processing business, not the people keeping business. And I realized that that's true. Sometimes people are with us for a day. Sometimes they're with us for 10 years. And my hope was whether somebody's here for a day or here for 10 years, that when they leave, they're a little closer to God than they were when they came. That's really what I want. Um, People come and people go, and we've had people come and go from here. And and I want to be honest with you, it always hurts. It always hurts when people go. There's no way around that because we care. We love that. The nature of the business is that we love others. And when we love others, it always hurts when they leave. Um, But here's the deal. It's not my church. It's his church. And he gets to do with whatever he wants with it. And, and, And my hope and my prayer is that when those people leave, that they do leave closer to God and they make an impact for the kingdom wherever they go. And I, I stand on that. I stand on that. So if, if we're going to be finishing well and standing when the final bell rings, I, I think we have to learn to let go, grieve loss, let go, give your best away, give your best away. Really, it's counterintuitive, but it really is how the kingdom of God functions. You, you, because here's the deal. You can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. It's, it's literally impossible to outgive God. And so if we bless others as they go, God says, I'll bless you. I won't go into the whole story today, but, but a couple of weeks ago, I, I heard a friend of mine, Lance Pitluck, share a story about God told him, you build my house and I'll build your house. And God just did miraculous, miraculous things in his life because he says, I'm going to build the house of God first. All right. So um, stay connected. Deal with your stuff quick. Learn to grieve loss and let go. And then the fourth and final thing is just stay humble. You know, you know, I said it's not my church, uh, but but here's the the second part of that is that it's not about me. It's not about me. I was watching last night the uh, Oregon football team uh, crush Washington. Thank you very much. And uh, <laughs> amen. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, the philosophy of the Oregon football team is next man up, next man up. It's not built on the superstars. Uh, it's about uh, the, te- the team works together and wins together. And so it's, it's not about this guy or that guy. And I watched it last night. I loved it because there's a young guy running back who scored several touchdowns and he's new. Nobody expected him to score. And I think that's why he did. So you stay humble. You, you just stay humble. I think humility says this, it's just like next man up. If, if you say no to God, somebody else is going to say yes. So, so just stay humble. It's not about you. It's about what can God do in and through and with all of us, any given place at any given time and you know, any given way. And I really believe this. And here's a, you know, kind of a, a little secret. And, and that is that hu- humility Will, will help anything you do succeed. It really will. And I'll tell you why. Because people can smell arrogance a mile away and no one likes it. Really, I, I, it's the truth. Um, people, people value authenticity, simplicity, and humility. And sincerity. Humility is an attractant. People are attracted to humble people. They really are. It's a kingdom principle and it's so true. 
and, and the other side of that is that arrogant people always end up in trouble. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about in the church, in politics, in government, in business. Just, just read the newspaper. Arrogant people always end up in trouble. And the reason they do is because they think they're above it all. They think that can't happen to me because I'm this person or that person. And that's their downfall. That's, that's what causes them to end uh, in disgrace. So stay humble. Stay humble. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about me. So I'll close with this. And I don't know if one of you guys wants to provide background music for me. Do you? Maldo? I love that about you. Amen. Amen. So 2 Timothy 2, uh, or yeah, 2 Timothy 4, 6. Paul says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I'm already being poured out. Paul, uh, Paul is old here. He's in jail. And he's pretty sure he's going to die soon. And history proves that he was right. Uh, he does die soon. This is Paul's last letter. Uh, he's writing to Timothy, who was one of the young guys that sat across from the table from him in the coffee shop, you, you know, and Paul poured his life out into him. And uh, at the end of it all, this is what he boasts about. Not how many people got saved, how many churches he planted, how big the churches he planted were, how many books he wrote, how many songs he published. He doesn't talk about any of that. He says, I finished the race. I finished the race. And that's our goal, guys, is just to stay in the game, to finish the race, to walk with Jesus till the end. And, and I tell you that let everything else go. If you just walk with Jesus till the end, it's going to end well. It's going to end well. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Casket Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you next week.